And I want to bring a message this morning uh, entitled, Standing for Biblical Sexuality. Uh, Standing for Biblical Sexuality. Romans chapter 1 and verse, start with verse 20. Uh, For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man and birds and four-footed animals and creeping things. Therefore, God also gave them up to uncleanness in the lusts of their hearts to dishonor their bodies among themselves who exchanged the truth of God for the lie and worshiped and served the creation or the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever amen for this reason god gave them up to vile passions for even their women exchanged the natural use for what is against nature likewise also the men leaving the natural use of the woman burned in their lust for one another burned in their lust for one another men with men committing what is shameful, and receiving in themselves the penalty of their error which was due. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a debased mind to do those things which are not fitting, being filled with all unrighteousness, sexual immorality, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, evil-mindedness, they are whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, violent, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, undiscerning, untrustworthy, unloving, unforgiving, unmerciful. I mean, what a list of sins. And where does it all come back to? The rejection of God who knowing the righteous judgment of God, that those who practice such things are deserving of death, not only do the same, but also approve, or King James Version might say have pleasure in, but also approve or have pleasure of those who practice them. Let's pray. Father, again, we ask for your help as we come to this subject this morning. Help us to see things biblically. Help us, Lord, to always stand for truth in our lives personally. And help us, Lord, to always do it, not only strong in the truth with conviction, but, Father, help us always to do it with grace. Jesus Christ came and was full of grace and truth. Help us, Lord, to always have both in where we stand, but do indeed help us to stand for what is right. Father, we are bombarded in our culture and our society. It is so sexualized in so many ways. It's everywhere around us. And I just pray for your help, Lord, to be strong in our thoughts towards you and towards your word. And help us, Lord, to stand strong within ourselves for your word that we might stand strong outwardly. We need you. And we pray for your help in Jesus' name. And amen. 
Our culture is so sexualized. It is everywhere around us. It is in everything. Just on the way to church this morning, Tracy was showing me some lipstick she was putting on and something that it said on it. And then she started to tell me about some of the names of just nail polishes. And it's like, why? You know, why? It, it, we, we have this, this problem. It's everywhere in our culture where everything is, is so sexualized. I want to challenge us today to stand for biblical sexuality in our lives. If we are at all concerned about our country and the direction that we may see it's taking, then we must, first of all, learn to stand for biblical sexuality in our own sphere of influence. In other words, it does us little good to be concerned about what is going on in the White House and the laws being passed there when we're not more so concerned about what's happening in our house. It's really easy to get upset at the White House and be focused upon that and, and then not be focused upon our own homes. I'm not saying we shouldn't be upset about ungodly agendas in the White House and our government. We should be, speak against it, vote against it, all of those things. But let's make sure that, first of all, that we're not being hypocritical and that we're actually standing for those same principles in our own lives, our own hearts, and in our own homes, churches, and community. I want us to stand for it with ourselves at the very beginning to stand for it in our families, to stand for biblical sexuality in our church, and to stand for it in our community. We need to do our best in accordance to the grace of God and the spirit of God's grace to promote holiness in all forms of living, including all areas of sexuality. Uh, the immoral sexual sins that are listed in, in Romans, that's just part of the sins as a result of the re rejection of God, but that is our focus this morning. And the Bible definitely places a different emphasis upon sexual sins at times because it is a sin that we do against our own body and according to 1 Corinthians. But it is a sin that has so grown in our culture and we did not get to where we are today overnight. I would have you to consider the fact that the reason that homosexuality itself has gotten so far and accepted as it has even among Christians is because we began a long time ago to accept other forms of sexual immorality. We began to accept sex before marriage, and we began to accept other things. And, and two uh, people that were in love, somehow we could overlook it if they were engaged to be married, if they committed sexual immorality. And we have went down this path for some time, and it only leads further away from God. We must be for all forms of sexual purity and holiness, beginning with the very thoughts of our hearts and minds, that they would be pure and holy before God. I used this quote before, but it, it very adequately describes what we have seen happen in our culture and society. First, we overlook evil. I do not know where it originates. First, we overlook evil. Then we permit evil. Then we legalize evil. Then we promote evil. Then we celebrate evil. Then we persecute those who still call it evil, end quote. We've seen this happen regarding the sins of sexual immorality. And when we ask the question, we say, well, how did we get to this place? Well, we know it didn't happen overnight. And as we said, we began allowances and, and permissions and, and other forms of sexual morality. And, and we have eventually gotten to where we are. And we, it will only continue to degrade even further than what it is. But Romans 1 reveals to us much in regard to one of the ways in which we have gotten to where we are. Before a culture or society get to the place that they promote evil, 
in verses 24 through 27, they at first had rejected God as their creator in verses 20 through 23. That's, how it's, that's one of the ways in which it starts. You see that very easily in what we read, they reject God as creator, and these are the results of rejecting God as creator. You cannot teach kids that they did not have a God, they did not have a creator, and that they somehow evolved from animals and don't expect them uh, to act the way they do. Uh, we, we began a long time ago by denying God as our creator, and we are reaping the effects of that in our culture, our society, and even among Christians. Here's the first thing that I want to make this connection, though, in regards to what we see happening here in Romans, is sexual immorality is connected to idolatry. Sexual immorality is connected to idolatry. When man denies his God as his creator, he will then make an idol of himself, of his own flesh, his own desires, his own wishes. Instead of bowing to the desire of his creator, he bows to the desires of his own fleshly lusts. Instead of God being authority over him, his flesh has authority over him. And because man rejects God as creator, man becomes his own God and thus committing idolatry. Man has substituted the worship of God with the worship of himself and even the worship of creation. You know, since the thrust of the teaching of evolution in the 60s, we have seen man just plunge himself into idolatry in so many forms in this country. There's great exaltation of self and love of self, etc. We have seen an inordinate love and affection for earth and God's creation and animals. People are worshiping and serving the creature rather than the Creator. And we are experiencing the results of that in so many ways. Now the reason that sexual morality is so bad in our country is because we had rejected God as our Creator. And you cannot do that, you know, for 60 years as a culture, as a whole, and it not have some profound effects upon us. When the majority of the American people can vote in support of, of gay agendas, we are not a Christian nation. We can't vote the majority for, for things like that and still say, well, we are a Christian nation. We are a nation filled with idolatry. We are a nation filled with sexual morality. And sexual immorality is only one sign of that idolatry. Our passage we have read reveals to us that when a culture rejects God as creator, then he judges them. He judges them. How he judges them is that he gives them over unto their fleshly desires. One of the worst things God can do is to, hold us back, is to not hold us back as a culture, as a society. One of the worst forms of God's judgment is to say, go ahead, do what you want. What's one of the worst forms of judgment? Parents say that to their kids sometimes. You are judging your children. Go ahead, do whatever you want. God in judgment says that to its culture, to a society. And we see that in our passage. Sexual morality not only brings upon us God's judgment, it is part of God's judgment as revealed by the text we see here in verses 24 through 28. Because man rejects God as creator, 
has become his own God, has committed idolatry, Paul says that verse 24, that God did something. What did he do? He said he gave them up to uncleanness in the lust of their hearts. It's kind of like God saying, I'll give you what your lust wants, what your heart wants. Sexual sin of all kinds is a heart problem. Our hearts are desiring what it should not. And we have all have temptations like that, but we must subdue them. If we loved God with all of our heart, then we will learn to not commit sexual immorality or even entertain it in our thoughts. When the truth of God as Creator is suppressed in a culture, we see a rise of all sort of uncleanness. Now, I think the reason that Paul addresses here obviously more in regarding the sin of sodomy and homosexuality, when you see that in verses 26 and, and 27, one of the reasons uh, we see that is because the, the Roman culture was bombarded with this. And then where Paul was writing from, from Corinth, it also was filled with that. But listen, I, t I assure you, we are not very far behind. We are one step behind how far the Roman culture had proceeded. We're one step behind. We're already having laws that are being uh, promoted that will lessen the crime of child porn. We are on our way there, folks. And we have people, po top politicians, without getting into a lot of things, that are obviously guilty of a lot of things regarding children. You know, many times people say that if we do not repent as a nation our, of our sin, then God is going to judge us. God is judging us by giving us unto our sin. That is judgment. Because we will self-destruct through the promotion of evil. The way of transgressors is hard. If we partake in sexual immorality, if we promote it, if we celebrate it, we are the result of God's judgment. God giving man up unto his own fleshly desires and not restraining him from it is the judgment and wrath of God. We see this all through this passage. Notice the phrase in verse 24. He says, God does what? Therefore, God gave them up. In verse 26, God gave them over. We see that in verse 26 and verse 28. One of the worst forms of judgment, as we said, that God can bring upon a society is to turn them over unto their own sinful lusts and let them fulfill them and then allow them to bear all the consequences of that said sin. The natural consequences of these sinful actions in themselves, I believe, is part of the punishment that God is giving them for rejecting Him as God and as Creator. And that's why Paul says what he does in verse 27 when he says, Men committing what is shameful and receiving in themselves the penalty of their error which was due. In other words, God says, You reject me, you involve yourselves in sexual morality, you're going to pay some consequences. There's natural consequences. There's physical consequences to sexual immorality that's plagued our culture and society. Many diseases come from that. This is one of the, the consequences. It does not take much spiritual understanding to read this passage and see that the result of rejecting God as our Creator 
is uncleanness. And sin will abound and advance to a point that eventually men and women will abandon the natural use of their body. God is not going to judge our nation simply because of homosexuality. Rather, the growth of all sexual sins, including homosexuality, is the judgment of God. We have rejected Him as Creator, denied Him for many years in our culture. Therefore, we eventually do things that go against God's natural order of creation. And that's what He's teaching. You rejected me as Creator. Now they're doing things against what? Against nature. We leave God as Creator. We go against what He has designed. Now Paul does not mince words when dealing directly about this specific sin. It is uncleanness. It is lust, not love. It is dishonorable to themselves. It is shameful, and it is idolatrous. It is the worship of their bodies and desires over the Creator. It is vile. It is against nature, how God made us. It is, according to the Word of God, of a reprobate mind or debased mind. We've gotten to the place that the sin of homosexuality and other sexual sins are so prevalent in our country and even celebrated and congratulated among those who call themselves Christian. We are under God's judgment. We're obviously under God's judgment as a nation. And in all honesty, we will be under God's judgment as a church if we do not stand for God and His Word. It's a little easier to talk about God's judgment in regards to our nation, but we need to apply it everywhere else. Now, I do not believe that Paul wrote this to the Christians in Rome only to inform them of what was going on in Rome so they need to be against the sins that were happening in Rome. It is a warning to Christians in Rome that they do not go along with the culture and allow such evil into their churches. We are lying to ourselves if we think that we cannot, as a church, be just a few steps away from identifying closer with the world and the culture regarding our position on sexuality rather than the Word of God. We cannot have the mindset, can't happen here. While we were in Savannah, Georgia this past week and walking around town, beautiful area, I just love that, uh, the trees and everything, enjoying it. But at a distance as we were walking around town, I seen a huge LGBTQ uh, sign or, or, or flag outside of what, I knew, what looked like a church. And then um, as I walked around the other side, I seen that it was a Baptist church. I think, well, no, I'm out. we see those things in other places, right? I mean, no, not, not surely even a Baptist. Surely no Baptist would support that. Surely a Baptist would not. What a reproach upon the name of Christ that church is when anyone professes Christ. Any church professes Christ and shows such support of that iniquity. Folks, there's a difference between struggling with iniquity. There's a difference between trying to help people that are struggling with that sin there's a difference between supporting it. We must minister to people. We must help people through the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm not saying that we cannot witness to people. We should witness to people. I cannot say we cannot love them. We should love them, but we must love them the right way and show that love the right way. We, but we can in no ways show any type of support or encouragement of such sin. Sadly, the acceptance and, and celebration of sexual morality can happen in the Christian's life and in the church 
if we do not stand with the Lord today. Now, first of all, in regards to standing in the church for biblical sexuality, now, first of all, I want to say this. I'm thankful for Will's ministry and helping men uh, with porn. I'm thankful for his uh, testimony this morning, some of the things he said and others' testimony. And I want to encourage you, if you are not here, uh, to uh, get connected with Will. He'll be starting a new uh, study, and uh, a new session will start hopefully next month. If you're struggling with that, men, deal with it, please. We beg with you, we plead with you, uh, seek Will out. I'm thankful for Daniel and Kristen uh, who are leading our oldest youth group or our oldest youth class by watching and discussing some videos entitled Holy Sexuality. Um, those actual videos that they're watching, I think there are 12 of them, Kristen, um, those actual videos were actually created more for parents with children in mind. And, but they are watching it in the class. It's a, good, it's a good thing to watch. But I do want you to know that I will, we will make those available to every family. Every family. It's like $20 a family. Listen, the church will pay for that, no problem, okay? So that you can watch these things with your children. It's a great videos. I'm not just saying that because somebody told me. I've watched them all. They are good and uh, will help you. Teach your children. Watch these videos with them. Talk about these things. I can honestly say, shamefully say as your pastor, I wish I would have spoken with my kids more about these things. I really wish I'd have had this resource because it is very, very good. Folks, we must stand for biblical sexuality. Church, we have, we have got to be active and fighting for it, but it does begin at home. We must promote holiness to our youth. As adults, we must teach them we must live it out for them to see. Not just making sure that we have outward rules, but that we seek it with all of our hearts and how we think, how we speak. The youth in this church need to see that the people who attend here and the members of this church stand for what the Bible teaches. They have enough confusion in this world from social media they have enough confusion and double messages from the Christians on the outside. They do not need that here. They are bombarded in their world with an unbiblical view regarding sex. Let them not be confused by hearing or seeing things in their church that would support or promote that same unbiblical worldview. Here's what our church has in our declaration of faith. I actually think it needs to be broadened a little bit, but I do agree with what it says. And this is where we should stand. It says, we believe that marriage is ordained of God. That right there puts you against most of the world today, that first statement. That His unalterable design is for one man and has always been, who has always been male. I don't know when the church put that in. I, went, I meant to go back and look at that. But boy, that was, that was foreseeing some things. It's for one man who has always been male and one woman who has always been female be conjoined in faithfulness to one another for their lifetimes. Male and female created he them. There's scripture references to all of this, by the way. That marriage is indissoluble except by death or by reason of sexual infidelity. Therefore, all believers should carefully choose his or her life partners. 
We believe that divorce and remarriage for any other cause is a violation of the commandment. Thou shalt not commit adultery. And is a serious, grievous sin bearing with it serious temporal and spiritual consequences. End quote. That's something I believe. Like I said, I think we could actually add some things to that, but it's very well written, and I agree with it. It is biblical. It is something that we need to not only say, but something that we must seek to live out and promote in our lives as individuals, in our families, in our church. Now again, could a church possibly get so far that it is permissible of sexual immorality? Could that happen? They had it at the church of Corinth, didn't they? And some would look at that sin and say, "Woo, that was really bad sexual sin, you know. <laughs> um, they were not only allowing the sexual sin to be practiced by a member of the church, they were proud of it. In 1 Corinthians 5, I want you to turn there. 1 Corinthians 5. Verse 1, Paul says, it is actually reported. I love the line, it's actually reported. He said, I, what's he saying? I can't believe what I'm hearing. It is actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you. He said, I just can't believe it. And, and, and such sexual immorality as is not even named among the Gentiles. I mean, they had a sort of sexual morality going among them that even the Gentiles, I mean, weren't doing this one that a man has his father's wife okay <laughs> that's bad right and then he says and and you are puffed up and have not rather mourned folks when someone in the church falls to sexual morality we don't need to be proud of it we don't need to celebrate it we need to mourn over it. We need to weep over it. We don't need to celebrate it. We don't need to show any support for that. We need to cry out to God because of it. You are puffed up. The word translated puffed up is also found later in this same letter in 1 Corinthians 13 where Paul is describing biblical love, agape love, Christ-like love. And he says that love is not puffed up. So how they were responding to this man that was involved in a sexual morality, they were not loving him in how they were responding to it. We are not loving those in sexual immorality when we do anything that would promote that, show support of it, or are proud of it in any way, approve of it, or take pleasure of it. We need to rather mourn over it. To say we disapprove of sexual morality but show support in any way is talking out of two sides of our mouth. It is not the way to love them. It is not God's way of loving them. He loves sinners, and I'm glad He does, but He does nothing to support the sin. We'll say, well, preacher, Jesus ate with sinners. Indeed, He did. But He never, ever approved of their sin in any 
way. We have to find a way to minister to people without approving of their immorality or coming across as though we approve or support it. We can get off as a people of God and we need to make sure that we are standing with the Lord. Idolatry and sexual immorality is seen in the nation of Israel even, and I'm saying this because it can get in the church, it's seen very quickly in Israel right after they left Egypt. Right after. I personally think God may have needed to get Egypt out of them for 40 years before they could be ready to even go into Canaan and fight against the heathen nations that were guilty of those sins. In Exodus 32, turn there if you would, Exodus 32. We're probably very familiar with this, but I want to just, you to see this connection. Because we see a connection here of, of a, God's people are, are getting in, into this, what we're talking about, and uh, it's connected to idolatry. Exodus 32, now when the people saw that Moses delayed coming down from the mountain, we know why he was up on the mountain, right? Getting the commandments of the Lord. The people gathered together to Aaron and said to him, Come, make us gods that shall go before us, for as... For this Moses, the man who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. And Aaron said to them, Break off the golden earrings which are in the ears of your wives, your sons, and your daughters, and bring them to me. So all the people broke off the golden earrings which were in their ears and brought them to Aaron. And he received the gold from their hand, and he fashioned it with an engraving tool and made a molded calf. Then they said, this is your God, O Israel, that brought you out of the land of Egypt. So when Aaron saw it, he built an altar before it, and Aaron made a proclamation and said, Tomorrow is a feast to the Lord. What's he, what's he doing? A feast of the Lord? You just, you just helped make this idol, and now you're going to say we have a feast to the Lord. Then they rose early on the next day, offered burnt offerings, and brought peace offerings, and the people sat down to eat and to drink and rose up to play. The eating and drinking to idols was something that was very common in pagan cultures. They are here doing it really unto the golden calf that they had just made and declared that this golden calf had delivered them from Egypt. Then the Word of God says they rose up to play. I remember reading that long time ago what's so bad about getting up to play <laughs> it's a very gentle word that tells us here that they were sexually immoral if you have any questions or doubts about that word play there paul clarifies it in first corinthians 10 and verse 7 and 8 where he's referencing this account where he speaks of this and he said this and be not become idolaters as were some of them as it is written the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. Folks, there's nothing wrong with eating and drinking and playing. <laughs> As we would use the word play. But this was done in an idolatrous practice. He says, and rose up to play, nor let us commit sexual immorality as some of them did, and in one day 23,000 fell. God, read on, and you find God sends a great plague and killed many of them. 
So here we have even those who had just recently experienced God's great deliverance from Egypt fell quickly into this idolatry and sexual immorality as even part of their worship. And some of them were even apparently like Aaron trying to do this even as unto the Lord. As he said, let's make his feast to the Lord. I mean, it is so messed up. We cannot mix idolatry with the worship of the true and living God. Also, say, well, that's, you know, Israel and the Old Testament. But what about a church? Well, in Revelation chapter 2, and we, we see a connection here as well uh, in regards sexual morality and idolatry in a church. Revelation chapter 2. We see what God says to the church at Pergamos. We won't read the whole account, but in verse 13 and 14, He says this, I know your works and where you dwell, where Satan's throne is, and you hold fast to my name. Like you got the devil sitting among you, and you're holding fast to my name, and did not deny my faith, even in the days in which Antipas was my faithful martyr, who was killed among you, where Satan dwells. He's saying, in one hand, you're standing firm and, and being persecuted and standing for my name. In the other hand, you got Satan right in your presence. He says, but I have a few things against you because you have there those who hold the doctrine of Balaam who taught Balak to put a stumbling block before the children of Israel to eat things sacrificed to idols and to commit sexual immorality. Folks, it's a, it's a common theme in regards to the history of mankind where uh, idolatry is connected to sexual immorality. The gods that were often worshipped were promoters of being sexually immoral. That's how they were worshipped, was through sexual practices. And those gods of, of, that were worshipped then uh, and praised then, we're definitely seeing that the same kind of thing uh, in our culture and society, which I don't have time to get into. But this was a church. Now one of the things of interest about this passage is the reference here to the doctrine of Balaam and Balak and talking about the idolatry and the sexual immorality. As a quick note of reference, Balak wanted Balaam the prophet to curse the children of Israel so that he could defeat them in battle. Balaam the prophet was forbidden of God from doing that. But he wanted to please Balak, I believe, for money, if you go back and look at it. And so, therefore, he advised him on how to get God to chasten Israel. So, basically, Israel would defeat themselves. What advice was given? Balak advised to tempt Israel to sin through sexual immorality thus bringing on themselves the chastening hand of God. Israel sinned in this manner and committed harlotry with the women of Moab. Satan or any other demon or force, listen, cannot curse us, dear church. But we can bring God's hand against us. If we forsake God, our Creator, and allow Satan a seat here and to promote sexual immorality, we will fall and stumble into sin ourselves and bring God's own hand against us. I don't fear Satan's hand. 
I fear the hand of the Lord. So we need to stand in the Lord's church. Amen? But it doesn't start here. Again, it starts with our own personal lives and families. Men or women get rid of the pornography, seek after holiness, seek after help. Parents, be aware of the many avenues of impurity that come at your children. Be active in setting an example by what you watch, listen to, and say. Talk to your kids about sexuality. Be active in their life as they grow older. Do not allow them to be permissive and do not encourage it or support it in any way. Have some rules that will protect them. Expect purity and help them to want to, to, to seek purity for themselves, a real holiness of heart before God. Teach them to be holy in their minds and with their bodies. Teach them to serve the Lord with all they have and to love Him more than fleshly desires. Teach them to serve the Lord now, to be holy now in all things and to wait to, to, to marry the one God has for them before any type of sexual relations. That's the one that God will honor. Stand in your families for biblical sexuality. Stand in the church. And we must stand in our community. When we stand as families and as a church, then that should carry over in our community as we vocally stand for sexual purity and live it out. We must have good attitudes. We must be full of grace. But we must be of truth. We cannot be hateful, but we cannot promote evil. Let us stand firm on the teachings of God's Word. Listen, there are some things maybe we should consider in regards to our community. There are some organizations that would help us to fight against some extreme ungodly books that are in our local libraries and our schools. There are organizations that help us to do that. We should seek that out. There are some ways in our community that we can promote that holy sexuality. Be a voice against ungodliness in that, in that way. We can vote for those who support biblical marriage. I hate the term traditional marriage. Anyhow, biblical marriage. Traditional marriage makes it sound like it's just here. It's just something that's been happening for a while. It's a tradition that's been passed down. It's biblical marriage. I want you to join with me in standing for what the Word of God teaches. I want us to stand together to be on God's team in all of this. And li listen, if, if you've leaned the wrong way in the past, you've done things in the past, that you look at and say, boy, I, I shouldn't have went that direction, I've been wrong, then reconsider. Align yourself up with God's Word. Do not be led by emotions. Do not be led by the culture or desire to be liked or accepted by others who are in that sin. We cannot and must not allow ourselves to be divided over this issue. It will be to our destruction as a church. And neither can we be self-righteous as we stand against it. <laughs> Boy, it's a, it's, a, it's a road we must walk. But we must stand. And let me say this as well, as I've spoken this whole time about sexuality and, and taught against sexual immorality... Hopefully, if you are currently guilty of this sin and are engaging in sexual sin or sinning by showing any support of it, you will also need to know that forgiveness is possible and restoration is possible as repentance comes. 
The blood of Christ can cleanse us if we confess, repent, and turn to Him and seek that forgiveness. 1 Corinthians 6, 9-11 says, Do not you know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. But I tell you what, when Jesus Christ saves you, He changes you. But you were washed, but you were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. Jesus Christ can restore and forgive. That's the glory of the great message that we have. No, we shouldn't be self-righteous in, in, in a way to where we, we come across as holier than now. When, when, when trying to minister and speak to people that, that maybe are, uh, have this sin in their life, but we must stand firm upon the Word of God and what is right and what is true and what is good. We must be full of truth and full of grace. And we have the message of hope, the message of the Gospel that brings forgiveness and restoration through the power of the blood of Jesus Christ. We should, we should never ever condone sin. We must urge people to repent of sin and to turn to the Savior where there is forgiveness, healing, and mending. I'm thankful that we have a God that is able and willing to forgive such sinners as all of us. I know I've said a mouthful this morning. Now there's a lot more I wanted to say. I want to have a, a word of prayer and then, uh, then we're going to turn off the live stream, guys, and have a personal note, okay? Father in heaven, I pray, uh, Lord, that you would bless and, and help us, Lord, to stand for what your word teaches regarding sexuality in our own lives. It's so easy, Lord, to, to look at the world around us and to condemn all the actions and yet allow sexual morality in our own hearts and lives. Lord, that's double talk, that's hypocrisy, we can't do that. So, Lord, help us to be standing strong for purity and holiness within ourselves. Help us, Lord, to make sure that we're removing of the log out of our own eye first. Because only then can we proper, make proper judgment. So Father, help us to be against this sin in our own lives and, and our families, our church, our community. Help us to speak the truth. And to speak the truth always with love, but to always speak the truth. Father, I pray that you would forgive us of our sins and shortcomings. and Help us, Lord, in this world that's so hard to walk in at this time. Because we are bombarded with so many things that are anti-God, full of idolatry, the worship of self, the worship of our own desires over our Creator's desires. Father, help us to stand right, to stand with You, to stand together, locked arm in arm, because we have a great battle. We do not need to be divided. We need to stand together. Help us to rally with one another and for one another. And help us all, Lord, to surrender our thoughts, our ideas unto the authority of the Word of God. Help us to stand strong, to stand firm upon the foundation of Your Word and what it teaches regarding 
biblical marriage and sexuality. In Jesus' name, and amen. All right, guys, you don't mind?